Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the bootcamp part two, part two of the conversation about transitioning and ministry, evaluating call. And uh, it was one of the questions I get all the time. And you know what the other question I get is? No. What do you do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> one guy was like, so are you like semi-retired now or? <laughs> semi-retired? I don't understand what that means. I right? think I think some people have experienced some denominational workers Okay. Who maybe don't approach their role with great fervor and urgency. That's a nice way I know to say I that. Think, I think that, Jimbo, that's true of about any profession or any... It really is. I mean... Well, here, here, here is one true thing. Ministry, in general, is, is a place where lazy people can find a place to hide. Yes, Mm-hmm. I served with a pastor one time, and he said this, you can be as busy as you want to be in ministry, or you can be as lazy yep. as you want to be in ministry. Yep. And his whole point was, um, you need to be busy. Like That was yeah. the, that was the uh, senior pastor, my first full-time job as a youth pastor. He's the guy who bought me a daytimer, and I had to turn in my daytimer every, every single week to him because he wanted to see how I was spending my time. But how it was really it was good. quit. <laughs> you, you would have lost the daytimer. I, I, I've always loved the idea of stuff like that. And I'll always buy one. I'm like, this looks so cool. How awesome would it be to have everything written down and categorized? And, and I'll do it for like a day. And then I'm like, oh, this is miserable. I'm not doing this. One day, I'm going to have somebody else that does that, yeah. right? Yeah. When I when I get big enough. <laughs> so you don't right now? You don't no. Okay. No. No. When I'm in my garage in, in, in Florida. You are in the garage office. And uh, so if you ever pull into the pastor's care cohort on a Monday or the bivocational cohort, uh, which is once a month, I think. Yeah. And... Uh, Jimbo will be live from his garage. He's got the giant replant banner behind him. Yeah. That's many years old. They don't even send it out anymore. So they accidentally sent that to me. <laughs> I was doing an event in South Carolina, and I just wanted a small banner to put at the table that I was asked to set up yeah. so that it would represent the team well. And I get home, Bob, and there is a massive plastic, like, you could, you could hide a a dead little person. <laughs> it's just on my porch. And it just says Mark Clifton real big on it. And I thought, what in the world did they just send me? And so I open it up. And sure enough, it is this massive, like, eight foot by... I, I mean, it's got to be, what, seven foot high by eight foot wide. Steel, it's steel girder. Steel girder, yeah. like, just insane. And so I didn't have a good backdrop for Zoom calls and recording. And so just as just for a kick, I set it up back there, and it's a perfect fit. And it looks great on camera. And so it's, it's going to stay there for a little while. Well, we're not – it's it's old form, and it's old – 
it's the old style. Yeah. So I don't think anybody's going to ever ask you for it back, <laughs> you know, because that kind of stuff goes. Well, if they it, do, I can't afford the shipping. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that thing is huge. Well, fortunately, you are a company man now. And so that gets us back to our topic on this podcast. So, Jimbo, how, how, how does somebody work, come to work for NAM or the Jacksonville Baptist Association? And as a, as a guy who did some contract work with an association, a guy who works with NAM, I could answer that. But yeah. this is part two of your story. So yeah. Yeah. Y- you can tell your story and then I can add some color maybe yeah. for my own experience. Yeah, maybe I can say the wrong way and you can say the right way. <laughs> no, um, so here's one of the things is in, in the last episode we talked about that kind of moment where I identified that maybe there was something in my heart where I was, I was more energized and more passionate about coming alongside a local pastor and helping him through some things than I was about some really great things going on at Redemption. And that woke some things up in me and it made me do a lot of self-evaluation. And one of the things I realized is I can look back in all my years of ministry, I have always loved network type stuff. Always. I've always collaborated and gotten churches together and, and I just I don't like doing things by myself. Yeah. And so I've always been the guy who was like, hey, let's get the youth pastors and let's let's get together once a month and let's talk a little bit, learn from each other. And and so when I moved to New Orleans and did ministry there, same thing with youth ministry, started getting youth pastors together. We started doing citywide disciple nows. We started I just have always felt like we could do more if churches linked arms and yeah. we weren't territorial and we just did stuff. Um, it was never with, never trying to climb a ladder, never trying to get my name. I just knew my church will be better served if we partner with that church and that church and that church, and we can reach this city better if we do it together. So when I moved to Jacksonville to replant Redemption Church, one of the first things I did was call the local association and said, hey, talk to me about what you guys do, what you're about. I just want to learn who you are. Say so had an event coming up. I come, I sit with the with the DOM Rick Wheeler, and we talk. And I learn to hear his heart. And I was like, okay, I'm here to learn. I'm here to plug in and serve whatever I can do. Uh, I want to learn. And so I came in with a learning posture, not a hey, let me bring my expertise, let me bring my wisdom. Uh, and and I think that's the the key is we need to uh, always be with a learning posture, no matter who's in the room. Right. Um, Never assume you're the smartest person in the room. And even if you are, which you probably aren't, as a matter of fact, if you think you're the smartest person in the room, (laughs) chances are you aren't. Uh, But never assume that you are. But even if you were, perhaps, hypothetically, the smartest person in the room, none of us are as smart as all of us collectively, right? There's just a collective wisdom when the body comes together. This is the passage we've pointed to a lot, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, right? When each part plays its part properly, the church builds itself up in love. And so I love to see that happen. I, I it, it really fires me up when I get to see churches partner with each other, pastors helping each other, not territorial, not competitive, right. but helping. And so... So learning, serving with the mission of churches accomplishing the ministry that they're called to yeah. in a more effective manner. Yeah. Right? That's the foundation. Yeah, that we we are truly better together. Right. Right. So so you're you're experiencing this transition uh, this in your heart first 
And then the Lord's opening up opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. And just opening up. So this is always kind of the mystery is how does that work where you, you, you're, you're networking, you're serving, you're learning, you're getting people together, you're helping kingdom efforts. And then all of a sudden doors just start opening kind of a situation. Yeah. So I would always ask Rick Wheeler a thousand questions. Uh, Hey, I'm dealing with this. Who do I talk to? How do I get help? Uh, Hey, can we have lunch? I need to bounce some things off of you. And so uh, I just kept asking him questions about revitalization, replanting. As Nam started to put out all this information about replanting, it's a lot of that's coming out as I'm entering into my hardest years at Redemption. And, And so I'm like... I'm devouring it, man. I'm reading everything you guys are putting out. Um, every blog, every book, every... I mean, I'm just devouring it. I couldn't find enough podcast episodes. I couldn't... I mean, I just couldn't get enough. Well, we didn't have very many podcast episodes. <laughs> I listened to all seven. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I just couldn't get enough. And so and when I would find something particularly helpful, I would always send it to Rick. Hey, just came across this. Really helpful. Well, when raising up replanters... The first edition came out. If you look up on, if you look up raising up replanters on Amazon, now when a book's out of print, Amazon does something weird and they'll jack the price up stupid high. <laughs> and so I, I think I saw on there one time like raising up replanters, like the first print edition, like it's like two hundred bucks or something Whoa. stupid. Uh, it, but it was like, but you get the new better one for like five bucks there or something go. like that. There so that's more like it. Yeah. So when the first one came out. Uh, that idea of helping equip others really, I mean, it jazzed me, man. I was so, and here's why. There was so much of what I was reading, what you guys were putting out, that like part of me was angry because I really wish you guys would have started that a few years before. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So the, so, so the, our side of the story, which is kind of cool. Because you're 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 receiving things that we're writing, and so yeah, yeah. I was on the receiving end of a lot of head wounds as a replanter, and yeah. I was saying in the early early days of the replant team when it was just all of us were part time guys and and uh, contractors that sort of thing, um, I, we were just saying, look, we we've we have individually experienced challenges and pain and frustration, so can we? collaborate together to write resources where others don't experience the same pain that we've experienced. Yeah. And so, so I just found it on my phone. Raising up replanters, $200. You screenshot that and we'll put that on the <laughs> show notes. That's crazy. And so, uh, but yeah. And so I kept thinking, man, if, if, if I could somehow take what's in this book, Raising Up Replanters, and I could help some guy. There you go go into this and not receive as many head wounds as I had and it, and it not be as hard as it was for me. Not that it would make it not hard, but there were things that were hard and there were things that were hard because of my ignorance <laughs> that I, I'm reading. I'm going, this would have saved me so much pain if I'd have read this yes. prior to the mistakes that I've made. And that, that really fired me up. And so I guess I just talked to Rick about that so much that one day, so I'm sending Rick a a picture of that book, Raising Up Replanters. And I said, just finished reading this. We have to figure out how to do this at the JBA. And so he goes, let's get coffee this week. So we go get coffee and he goes, hey, would you be interested in coming on? 
contract as a revitalization replanting strategist. And I laughed. I mean, I literally laughed at him because I thought, have you, have you been listening to what's been happening at, at my church? Have you, have you been a secret shopper at my church? Because it ain't going great, buddy. I, I'm hitting a whole lot of walls here. And so I, and here's, here's what hit me is he said, pray about it. And here was my honest thought. I, I thought, I so badly want to see this happen. And it's so important to me that we figure out how to help guys that I really want it to be somebody better at it than I am. Hmm. And that's what I told Rick. I said, I, my preference would be that you find someone that's better at it than me. And let me just help that guy and be his biggest cheerleader. And he goes, I think you're the guy to do it. And so that's how I ended up at the JBA. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was that I was consistently learning, consistently trying to pass resources to others. And I was, just, I was already doing it. And we've said before, when, when you're looking for an elder, when you're looking for a deacon, you look for someone who's already doing it, right? You look for a guy who already leads and serves in so many of those capacities. What you don't want to do is bring a guy on to be an elder, bring a guy on to be a deacon, and then hope that they start doing some of those things. Yeah. And yeah. and if I were to say anything, I guess if looking back, that's probably what Rick saw was not that I, not at all, I don't think they saw that I had any sort of wisdom uh, above anybody else in our association as much as he goes, man, this kid is just jazzed about replanting and revitalization and he's just reading everything and he's talking about it and he's sharing it with others he's asking good questions and so just his energy uh and excitement towards that and then i can maybe raise him up a little bit would be my guess yeah i think that's there are key points in in your story and we were talking about this earlier um when we were driving tonight um we can lead from a, p- a position of platform mm-hmm or we can lead from a position of passion, mm-hmm. right? Um, we can lead from experience, and all of those things are important. Platform without passion and without experience yeah. is really dangerous, yeah. right? Because if you're just if you're just repeating what you've learned in a classroom or what you've read in a book without filtering it through the the real world of your own experience yeah. and you're trying to apply it, then you, you just are giving a book report, basically. Yeah. And and so part of part of what we discovered as the initial group of um, contractors that, that formed the the, fir- the first replant team early on, we were all practitioners. Every single one of us was in the trenches doing what we're doing. And that's why we started this podcast is because you and I felt like there was an absence of, at the time, people who were in it and yep. doing it, in yep. it, and, you know, rolling the sleeves up. And you you have transitioned out recently, but you've transitioned out with a specific purpose of actually giving more time to serve the local church mm-hmm. and the churches and the, and the work of replanting because in your situation, you couldn't do both. Right. Yeah. And so it came, there was a decision point there where you're going to like, I'm going to have to, I always want to help churches and pastors through associations and networking and NAM and all those things. But it, I don't, I can't do both. 
Yeah. No, Redemption needed a pastor who could give a lot of needs, a pastor Mm -hmm. that can give a lot of energy and effort towards uh, some systems and processes. And I just knew that that, I'm I'm not that guy. And I, man, I'm not just saying this. Like, legitimately, I love Redemption Church. And I miss not being there. And I miss the people. And I, I, I watch closely what's going on in great excitement. Uh, to see what happens. And I'm hoping that uh, as we prayerfully pursue what church we're going to attend and still don't know the answer to that question, one of my hopes is that I can be a helpful lay leader in whatever church in some way or lay servant or whatever. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to be a denominational guy that has a quote-unquote home church that I never at mm-hmm. and I don't contribute beyond tithe. Yeah. I, I want to be in it. And so we've talked in previous episodes about uh, pedo le- levels of leadership we stole from the Air Force. Well, something else I learned from Air Force leadership, in their Air Force Academy, professors can only be professors away from the battlefield for five years. And then they've got it. They have to go back um, and get back in because they want airmen teaching airmen. They don't, they don't want just philosophical, theoretical stuff. So this is a really important piece here, and I wanted just to venture out into some like almost thin ice territory here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a pro- proliferation right now of degree programs in the field of revitalization and replanting. Yeah. Um, where some of the instructors may not actually be replanters or revitalizers. Yeah. Right. And it reminds me of a time in my life and I were kind of laughing about this this, this morning, not the, not that side of it, but I went to college and I went to college and, and got a religious education, a youth ministry degree, because I was going to be a youth pastor all of my life. Right. Right. I think and, a lot of us were. And then in, when I hit 35, I realized I really don't like middle schoolers at all. <laughs> and I don't want to ever do another lock-in ever in my entire life. It took like 12 years off your life. Well, for every lock-in you do, you lose a one year of your life. Yeah. That's, that's the equation. That is. It's a direct, right? So I've got, um, I've got another year and a half, Jimbo. I just want to say it's been good to be with you. So I had I had uh, youth ministry professors that had never been in youth ministry. Yeah, and they basically we read books together, and I had to, you know, mm-hmm. learn from them. And it's not saying I couldn't learn something from them. And, yeah, and they're they're translatable ministry experience, but they hadn't been in the trenches. Yeah, doing that, and so I think one of the one of the key factors for us as the replant team, uh, we're we are practitioners. We're engaged, um, and so I think that that comes from a place and a commitment to say it's important to be involved in the work as well as helping to inform those who are involved in the work. Yep. Right. So practitioners, player coaches. We're not yeah. experts, right? Yeah. Um, but we we know a few things because we've been around the block. Yeah. So I'll say in in May, God willing, I will walk across the stage and become Dr. Jimbo. Dr. Jimbo. I just, you still need to get the website. <laughs> we were just talking about platforms. I don't know that I want to build my platform on that. but Okay. Uh, so, but here's what I'll tell you. And I'm grateful for my time at the great New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, Nobits, with the best food of any seminary. 
Um, and, the, and the highest razor wire. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and I'm grateful for my classes, and I learned a lot from professors. Dr. Rukowski, Dr. Ogier in particular, Dr. Parker. Um, learned a lot from those guys. And those guys are practitioners. I mean, they're, they're in the field yeah, doing, doing interims, leading churches, revitalizing churches. Uh, I'll tell you a fun story one day where Dr. Rukowski literally replanted a church, picked it up, put it on a trailer, moved it down the road. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, but I also learned maybe more serving with the Jacksonville Baptist Association, um, serving with NAM learning from local pastors, learning from mentors. I mean, I learned just as much, if not more, uh, in that as I did in my doctoral process of seminars. And so um, here's one of the questions I think you have to ask yourself. Are you willing to do the work for no pay and no recognition? There you go. Um, And if not, then don't. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, it has to be there. That passion piece has to be there. That experience piece has to be there. And if the Lord decides to give you a platform, then you better use that wisely. Because as we have seen, platforms can very easily lead to moral failure. Mm-hmm. If you let that turn into some sort of ego boost, ego stroke, you're the man. Uh, if you th- one of my mentors, when I was talking about doing denominational ministry with NAM, JBA, here's what he said to me. He said, there are really three kinds of denominational workers. One are the guys who see this as the promotion. They think they're the big, big dog now. And they pretty much immediately become irrelevant. Hmm. Two are guys who have found this as a way to retire they also pretty much immediately become irrelevant. Three, guys who passionately love serving and helping local pastors and churches. And those are the guys who are rock stars. Mm -hmm. Um, Always be that third guy. Mm -hmm. And that's a piece of advice I've held on to, and I hope I continue to hold on to, uh, that I haven't graduated into anything. The same guy also said there are no promotions in ministry. Because the significance of your ministry role is in the role giver, not in the role. Yeah. Right? And so there are no promotions. You don't, you don't promote in ministry. They're all lateral moves, every one of them. And so he told me, put your yes on the table and let the Lord work out the details. Right? And so if you want... A platform. I think you're pursuing the wrong thing. Yeah, it's you're starting in the wrong place. Yeah, right. Because a platform is about it's a, a, it, and I would say this: we we perceive uh, people who are in ministry who have platforms to be different than they actually are. Yeah, right. And so I've been, you know, around in different places and worked in some different networks, and I've been around some nationally recognized folks, and they are regular people. And um, they just, you know, there's a number of things I can say. Yeah. But if you're pursuing a platform, that's the wrong place to start. Yep. If you want to help churches and you want to help people and you're willing to help anybody anywhere, anytime, and not have to get the credit or get paid a giant fee for yep. helping them, then you're you're in the right place. And I think the Lord will honor that. If, if you 
have this idea and desire to build some kind of, you know, platform with all that you anticipate and imagine that would come with it. It may be that the Lord doesn't say yes to that because it's beginning in the wrong place and it has the wrong motives. Yeah. So here's the thing. You want to partner with other churches? I did it when I was an intern, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You don't need a platform. You do not need a platform to partner with other churches. You don't need a platform to take another youth pastor, another pastor to lunch and encourage him. You don't need a platform to contact a guy going through a hard time ministry and just pray for him and be there. And until those are parts of natural rhythms of your life, uh, then I don't think you should get a platform, right? Those those have got to be natural parts and rhythms of your life not because anyone ever has ever paid you to do it or that you desire to be paid to do it. Um, I can legitimately say, uh, for the most part, everything I do right now, I, I would do without being paid, mm-hmm. gladly. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm incredibly blessed and grateful, and I don't take that for granted, that I I am able to make a living doing it now. Um, but I, I would legitimately do all of this. I would go and talk. I, I mean, I have done it. I mean, I, I would just come alongside pastors and be encouraging if I can and be helpful if I can just because I love the bride of Christ and I love doing that. Yeah. So some, some of you guys who are listening, you're called to be a replanter and you're called to the local context of your association. In particular, you may just be called to your church and that is super and fine and good. So... Um, People who work for denominations like us are, are not the rock stars. It's the local pastor. Absolutely. And so, um, be be satisfied, fulfilled, and, and overjoyed at the simplicity of leading well in a in a in a local congregation for the long haul. There's a great joy in that. Um, there's not a lot of joy necessarily in driving hours and and waiting hours to catch a plane and flying somewhere to speak for you know, three hours and then repeating the process and going back. Yeah. Um, what the trend, the transaction that takes place in, in the setting that takes us a long time to get someplace is the same thing that you can do in your setting where you're at. Yeah. It just loving people, encouraging, uh, you know, resourcing people. And that's one of the things is, is, um, for those who want to have an influence, you probably at some point need to think about content creation and like, what can I do to make things better? And, and some people are gifted to create things and yeah. write content and make things from blank pages. And some people aren't. Yeah. And that's okay. Like just know who you are. And, and so part of the gifting makes that is in, is in you and some others who are in that role is that God's wired you up in a particular way and giving you a passion in a particular way to do a certain thing. And so all of that, was been has been shaped and influenced and formed by the local pastoring that you did for seven seven to eight years, right? And the, the work that you did as youth pastor prior to that. So in many ways, like you mentioned, like Audrey saw, this is a natural progression of here's the next step that the Lord has for you in yep. in doing this. And your education's been part of that and all that kind of stuff. So so guys, if you're out there listening, one of the things I would just say is like just look at the trajectory uh, of what mm-hmm. the Lord's doing in your life. Be content with the pace of it yeah. and the place of it. Yeah. Bloom where you're planted. <laughs> I hate that. I hate when people say that because I was the guy that always wanted to go somewhere else. 
But nonetheless. But nonetheless, just know you are where you are and serve the Lord as best you can right where you're at. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.